You know when you order a new video game, or a golf club, or a blender, and then it arrives at your door. You get a little thrill. Imagine how much more thrilling it is when you order a new car. With Nissan at Home, you can shop for the perfect ride and order it without ever having to go anywhere. Sure beats a golf club or a blender. Buy a new car entirely online with Nissan at Home. Deliver direct from dealer to driveway. Thrill starts here. Services may vary at participating dealers subject to applicable law. See dealer for details. Hey guys, this is Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer. You know what to do. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by the Al and Angus Pub, home of the best darn Angus Burger in town. Burgers, wraps, entrees, you name it. Great beers on tap in the can and in the bottle as well. Check out their specials on Facebook and visit allenanguspub.com and allow the Al and Angus Pub to cater your lunch or your dinner for your business on a daily basis as well. The Allen Angus Pub, one of the best darn Angus Burger in town. Big time thanks as well to Bryant and Stratton College, Liverpool Physical Therapy, Axe Exotic Pets, and our great, great friends over at Camillus Golf Club. Go play Camillus this golf season, CamillusHillsGolfClub.com. Book your tee time today. So I wanted to spend uh, the first bit of the podcast here before I bring in Eagles insider and NFL analyst John McMullen to the program on the the, the young superstar players in baseball, um, you know, who I would build my, you know, build my, my roster around, you know, like in order, like my top, my top few. I'm going to give you my top three. Um, the, the first of which... I'm going to go three, two, and one. And boy, has this year been fun or what? <laughs> you know, watching these guys. Uh, and look, a lot of it, a lot of it too, is just, uh, you know, it's been, um, it's been one of those things where uh, I think that it's maybe changed a little bit. Like for a while I had Ronald Acuna Jr. as, as my number one guy, right? Um, now that's, that's not the case. So my number three guy is in fact, um, the brave superstar who is 23 years old. He was one a couple of years ago, but because of the other guys who have kind of come on the scene right now, um, actually, no, you know what I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, no, I'm going to go Vlad Guerrero Jr. As number three, those are the three guys: Vlad Jr., uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., and everybody else can figure out who, who the other guy's going to be. I'm sure, but I'm I'm going to actually go with Vlad Jr. And, and the reason I'm going to go with Vlad Jr. is because uh, I think Acuna is better defensively, uh, long haul wise, over the course of and this is like five to seven years, ten years max. I think Acuna Jr. has the 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 longevity. Uh, maybe a little bit more in his corner. Now, I will say, Vlad Jr., when you think about Vlad Jr., man, he lost 42 pounds and committed committed himself physically. said he didn't like how he was uh, feeling on the field, moving around, etc., energy level. Well, man, you know, you, you look at this guy right now, he is, as we record this, he may be 
he may be the best hitter in the game, and he is likely the MVP front runner. I think Shohei Otani would have a thing or two to say about that. I mean, he's pitching and hitting home runs. Um, so, I, But I think it's between those two guys. I think Vlad Jr.'s three, he's also gotten a lot better in the field because he's more mobile, he's lighter, etc. Uh, you know, I was wondering about third base for the longest time. Uh, obviously, first base uh, is a place he's played a ton of and mostly in 2021. Um, but I think, I think Vlad Jr., you know, I would go with him number three. He is also 22 years old. My second player is, my number two is Ronald Acuna Jr., um, and by the way, I think the Braves absolutely positively stole him when they signed him that, whatever it was, a $100 million deal a couple years ago. I mean, what a joke. This guy is 23 years old. He doesn't turn 24 until the off-season upcoming. And um, I got to tell you, he's spectacular. He's, he's already been an all-star. He's been a rookie of the year. He's a two-time silver slugger guy. He's been a stolen base leader. He's been in the 30-30 club. I mean... This guy really does it all, and we throw that around left and right. And baseball for decades is throwing it around, right? Five-tool player, hit hit for power. He can run, he can throw, and he can feel his position. <laughs> but he really, truly can. I mean, Okunia is a special, special talent. When he's at the plate, it's must-see TV. Um, I love the guy. I think he's fantastic. And I remember a couple of years ago telling people, you know, hey, look, especially, you know, Yankee fans, because, you know, Glaber Torres was the talk of the town, and, you know, the Yankees had gotten him in that trade with the Cubs in 2016, and, you know, two, three, four years ago, Glaber Torres is going to be the franchise corner of the Yankees. He's going to be, you know, there was a time that everybody was hoping it was going to be Sanchez and Judge and Severino and Glaber. Glaber Torres is a solid player. I'm not giving up on him, but he has backtracked a little bit, and Okunia Jr. has not. Um... I think he's going to win a couple MVPs before he's done. Um, you know, I picked Atlanta to win the World Series this year. Injuries may may get in in the way of that, um, but he just he does it all. You know, he's fast. He he hits it. He sprays the ball everywhere on the field. He's got power. He's fun. I mean, he Okunia like Vlad Jr. is is what baseball needs. And then my number one. You know, speaking of fun and speaking of a, a little bit of what baseball needs, I mean. Appointment television-wise in baseball, this guy probably is number one or he's 1A behind Jacob deGrom, and they just recently you know, faced off against each other. Fernando Tatis Jr. is spectacular. He plays a very, very important position as well, shortstop. Two things that put him up over Okunia and Vlad for me. One... And again, there's a lot that goes into choosing a player for the next five to seven years, or even, as I said, as many as ten. It's not just the player. It's the value to the team, the position he plays, the brand and popularity. Right, Tatis checks all those boxes times ten. And with all of that being said, if you're an owner of the San Diego Padres... You're making bank off of Fernando Tatis Jr. You sign him, you sign Machado, you spend a ton of money. I think they have $863 million in the infield now. So Padre fans can shut their mouths about uh, poverty out there in San Diego. And he's 22 years old. 
He's going to turn 23 in January. <laughs> it's a young man's game, you know. Tatis Jr., Vlad Jr., Acuna. Uh, it's a young man's game. They're all over the place. Tatis Jr. is five-tool, without a doubt. He hits monster home runs. He's got a flair for the dramatic. You know, he's clutch late in games. He does the bat flips. He's got the looks, right? I mean, he's a super good-looking guy with the dreads and all the rest. Plays on the West Coast, right? <clears throat> he can appeal towards the Hispanic group because he's a Latin player from the Dominican Republic in the in the very famous town of San Pedro de Macorís. Uh you know, plays the demanding, important shortstop position. Again, if you're a championship team, you want to be built correctly up the middle, right? Uh, this is a this is a player who, if he stays healthy, like Acuna, like Vlad, these guys going to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, Vlad's teammates, by the way, uh, Craig Biggio and... Uh, Craig Biggio's son, Kevin, rather, and, uh, of course, Bo Bichette, Dante's son, I think that guys like Tatis Jr., Vlad Jr., Okunia Jr., Bichette, Biggio, you know, Bellinger, I think these guys who who grew up in a baseball world, a baseball home, went to the field with their dad, you know, were around the big league atmosphere. They went to the field and saw the work ethic. They saw hitting in the cage. They saw team bonding and camaraderie and all the rest and leadership. I think that's all huge for these guys and their mental makeup in playing the game of baseball. I really do. I think this is a big, 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 big deal for Tatis Jr., Vlad Jr., well, Acuna Jr., you know, isn't included in this group. I think I said him earlier, but he's not included. At least I don't know. I don't think he had a dad who played. Uh, you know, Bichette, Bellinger, BGO. You know, and by the way, a few of these guys' fathers are in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know, Vlad Jr., I mean, expectations are through the roof for these guys. Uh, Fernando Tatis is in the Hall of Fame, but he was a pretty darn good player. Remember the historical Grand Slams and all the rest, but Vlad's in the Hall of Fame. In fact, that's I met Vlad Jr. in Cooperstown at the induction. But Vlad Sr.'s in the Hall of Fame, you know. Craig Biggio's in the Hall of Fame, you know, um... These guys are, man, I mean, having that background, learning from their from their dads and just that entire baseball pedigree and uh, and just learning the ropes. And, and, you know, again, I'm not saying that it's six or seven. It's like, oh, yeah, Fernando Tatis Jr. must have learned how to be a professional at six. <laughs> it's not what I mean. I mean, you know, a couple of years in, in into it when you're actually playing and starting to get things going, um, you know, I think that's where it might come into form, right? And, and by the way, you talk about these guys when they were 10 years old, that was only 12 years ago, <laughs> you know. I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's mind-numbing when you look at guys when they were born in 1999. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Him and Okunia and Vlad, these guys are are spectacular players. They really are. You know, you look at the guys in Chicago, like the Lewis Roberts of the world, and, you know, there's so many really, really good ones. Um, 
it's a young man's game. I mean, you got to be able to draft. You got to, you know, you, you got to stay young. You got to keep the roster young. Um, but I, I would, I would go with those top three guys the next five to seven years, as many as 10, uh, who I would build around ranked in order. Fernando Tatis Jr. Number one, because of the demanding shortstop position, five tool player, the brand, the money he can make you, the face of the franchise, the look, the hair, the whole deal, man, the, the flair for the dramatic clutch, the whole deal. I think number two, I'd put Ronald Acuna Jr. just because I think him and, for that matter, Tatis, I think they have a little bit of a uh, an upside that's greater than Vlad Jr.'s in terms of you know the staying healthy plus being more of an impactful player in a lot of different areas. Vlad Jr., for example, in an analytic world, you know Ronald Acuna Jr. still steals bases. Same thing with Tatis Jr. Those two guys are on teams that actually go against the grain with that. Uh, you know, that's not just exit velo and launch angle and all that BS. They actually want to run the bases. That's another way that they can beat you in a baseball game. Vlad Jr. can't beat you that way necessarily, right? And so I think they're both better fielders than Vlad. So just the overall impact of the game. Now, now having said that, Vlad Jr. at number three, he might be able to make up with that because for that because he's he's getting, you know, he's raking the ball. I mean, he's hitting it over the wall by a mile. He's hitting it, spraying it, doubles in the gaps and all around. I mean, this guy. You know, he, he might make up for that extra impact sort of thing with the legs or the glove with an extra hit every, you know, few games and uh, a batting average right now that is 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 just terrific. Um, I think as we record this, what is he hitting? He, I, I gotta, I'm going to guess at it, but uh, I think he's hitting like 332 or something like that. I mean, it's just, it, it's insane. My uh, computer just froze. Let's see what we got here. It's It's popping up. 342. I mean, goodness. As I record this, he's 342, 22 home runs and 56 RBI. His OPS, by the way, is 1.119. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., all juniors. Now they're young. Uh, Those are my top three in order uh, of players under the age of 25 in Major League Baseball who I would build around. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual, New York State. Our good friend Matt Graham over at State Farm Insurance and Rosie's Corner, pizza, wings, pasta, hot and cold subs, and more. Get on over to Rosie's Corner uh, for all of that and more. Fish Friday every single week as well. And also, a tip of the cap, thank you to the Swan and Whitaker families for their support of the platform. And last but not least, how about Ken's Auto Detailing? Why don't you head on over to Ken's Auto Detailing if you're in and around Central New York. Get your car fully detailed inside, outside, wax and wash. They can do the chrome as well. Ken's Auto Detailing. You drive off that lot, and I'm telling you, it feels like you have a brand new car. Ken's Auto Detailing, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Let's bring him in. He's an NFL and Eagles insider for so many groups. Um including SI Now, the Philly Voice, Sports Map Radio, 1490 uh, AM Sports Betting, uh, all across the board uh, with the Football Fix program on that great platform as well. Uh, we're going to dive into some Eagles, into some NFL, uh, and you can hear him, uh, of course, uh, 8 AM to 10 AM, uh, and watch him, uh, Birds365, on YouTube. So make sure you go check out him there as well, and on Twitter, at JF McMullen. That's at JF McMullen. John McMullen, NFL insider, Eagles insider. John, how are you, man? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Thanks for having me, Mike. You better believe it. Um, so, you know, before we kind of get into some NFL storylines and break down the Eagles here a little bit, 
Uh, you've got a lot going on, man. It seems like every time I go to your Twitter handle, there's an addition and there's more content and it's all terrific stuff. Birds 365, Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on YouTube. Tell my listeners a little bit about how that came to fruition. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's ever been uh, into Philadelphia knows how passionate uh, Eagles fans are about Eagles football. Slightly. (laughs) uh, Yeah, we had this opportunity. We teamed up with Philly Voice, which is uh, cool. great website here so it airs there uh, as well as youtube nationally so people can uh check it out every day streaming show new world my you know us radio guys we got to get into the streaming end uh it seems that way it's the way the world is going with zoom ms teams and all that so we're taking advantage of it and i host with jody mcdonald everybody knows him from wfan and cbs wip here locally so uh, yeah, it's going well. Okay, realistic expectations for this team in 2021 are what? The Eagles. Uh, you know, if you look at national people, not not very highly. Let's say, you know, power rankings are what they are at this time of the year. Uh, but if you look around, I mean, everybody thinks this is going to be a pretty poor football team. Uh, and it might be. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying... There isn't a chance to be that, but I think it's all kind of directly tied to the quarterback and the head coach. You have a rookie head coach. You have a um, second-year quarterback who's only started four games in Jalen Hurts. So nobody believes in them, and understandably so. But if you look at the Eagles from a, a broader perspective, they were really banged up on the offensive line last season. If those guys stay healthy, and that's a big if because they're aging, but if Lane Johnson is there, Brandon Brooks is there, Jason Kelsey, et cetera, that's a top five offensive line. They have a top ten defensive line. So I think they're going to be better than people think. Now, we're not talking about Super Bowl contender, but if people are looking for back-to-back four-win seasons, I I think they're going to be a little bit better than that. Nick Sirianni – what does he bring to the table as a head football coach? He's kind of he's kind of out there a little bit, isn't he? Yeah, and that's part of the reason. I mean, he does things a little bit differently. Uh, he's a big energy guy. You know how that goes, Mike. If you do things differently, uh, people look at you differently. And if it doesn't go well, um, you're going to take a lot of heat. So we're in wait-and-see approach, but <laughs> – you know, the Eagles have compared it to 1999 when they hired Andy Reid. Everybody said, who's that? What are you doing? And the rest is history. That's the first ballot Hall of Fame coach, obviously. Uh, not saying Nick Sirianni's going to be that either. Uh, hopefully it's somewhere in between. I, I can say that generally every coach Jeffrey Lurie has hired has had at least some success going back to Ray Rhodes. Even Chip Kelly made the playoffs. People forget uh, before things went horribly wrong there. So every coach he's ever hired has been at least a playoff coach. And Nick Sherrion is going to have to turn this around pretty quickly. I don't think anybody expects him to be a playoff coach this season. But next season, he's going to be on the clock because this is – this is not an absentee owner. This is a guy who's in practice every day. He's in the facility every day. And I'm talking about Jeffrey Lurie. And as he gets older, it seems, Mike, which it, it, I think a lot of people are surprised after the Super Bowl 52 win. He's only gotten more engaged. 
not less engaged. Hmm. Wow. Jalen Hurts, what do you like most? What do you like least about this guy? Uh, most is easy. His ability to extend plays, his ability to run the football. It, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Jalen was a power lifter, uh, and he's incredibly really? strong Yeah, in his lower body. Wow. So, you know, I, I had um, – I think it was Blake Bedenfield who used to be the college scouting director of the Titans who called him a fullback playing quarterback. I mean, he is a powerful, powerful runner. Um, deadlifts, uh, squats, you know, we're talking 500 pounds. This guy is powerful. Uh, what I don't like, accuracy. Uh, he's not a very accurate quarterback. 52% last season, Mike. And this is an era where average quarterbacks – get to 64, 65. So 52, it's a small sample size, but that's really, really poor. Zach Ertz, trade rumblings. Uh, the Bills were involved for a while. They still could be involved. Where is that at? Are, are the Eagles trying to move him and move that deal, move that contract, John? Yeah, they would like to trade him, and they'd like to get value, but the contract affects that value. So it's one of those kind of things where, um, they they wanted a third round pick. I always thought that was pie in the sky. Um, you know, fourth, fifth round pick. I think that's more in the wheelhouse. And ultimately, wherever Zach goes, and I think Buffalo is still one of the teams at the top of the list. I think ultimately you'll see a rework deal uh, to help the back end team, whoever acquires them, a little bit more under the salary cap. Eagles are playing hardball. They're playing bad cop, as Howie Roseman likes to say with Zach Ertz. He doesn't want to be here. The team knows they have to move on. Uh, but he wants to wait, and he wants to play this game of chicken. Now, if you're looking at July 27th, I don't know if they want him to show up to training camp because you do have a rookie head coach. And I don't think you want that controversy because you know how this works, Mike. If somebody like that shows up to training camp, all questions are in Zach Ertz. It engulfs things for at least a few days. Uh, why is Zach here? Why haven't we been able to move him? Is he happy? Um, and it's not only Zach Ertz getting the questions. It's going to be the coaches, his teammates. I, I don't think the Eagles want that. Prepare yourself for the future of nursing with an advanced degree from Gonzaga University. Gain the skills to take on a leadership role or become a nurse practitioner through our online MSN and DNP programs. Gonzaga graduates are known as practice-ready, influential thinkers who are rigorously trained to provide the highest quality patient care. Visit gonzaga.edu slash graduate nursing to learn how Gonzaga can help you achieve your goals. That's gonzaga.edu slash graduate nursing. Angie's List is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. 
Don't miss our weekend special. Save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free premium delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. John McMullen with us here on the ML Sports Platter, brought to you by Liverpool Physical Therapy and Bryant and Stratton College. You can get John on Twitter at JF McMullen, the Fantastic Eagles and NFL Insider, Birds 365. Go subscribe on YouTube, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., Monday to Friday, all part of the Philly Voice and all other platforms. You can find John covering the NFL, doing a heck of a job. Um, what what have the Eagles said, if anything, John, about this uh, COVID protocol thing? I know Cole Beasley, the Bills, was super outspoken about it. Uh, it's very clear, right? I mean, if, if you're fully vaccinated, you're not going to be really limited. If you aren't, you're going to have some challenges. And the last thing any NFL team wants to do is start to have to pull guys out. You know, if, if it's if it's 80%, 85% of the league, is vaccinated and some guys don't want to get vaccinated, but then they have to pull a guy off the field and it costs him a win or two. That's a, that that's a man. That's a bad area to be in, John. That's a bad mark. Yeah, it is, uh, and that's the difficulty the league is facing because they can't mandate it because of the CBA and they've negotiated. They have to negotiate with the union, so they came up with these incentives, which are basically, as you mentioned. Uh, almost back to normal, almost completely back to normal if you get vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, it's going to be the same as last year. And there were a lot of draconian measures. I mean, I was a tier two media guy, and even that was horrible. You got to get tested every day, even off days. So you got to drive in the facility. You got to go through all this rigmarole. Right. If you're on the road, you got to be quarantined. You can't go out of the hotel. You can't. Uh, uh, you can't even eat with your teammates. You can't eat with your teammates in the cafeteria, even at the complex. So, they're trying to incentivize. Now, look, this goes far beyond football. When you start talking about what Cole Beasley was was bringing up, and you know the rights of individuals, and I'm interested to see if anybody pushes it far enough to take it to court and where it would land in that type of circumstance. I can't, you know, I, I have to get vaccinated There's to do my job. There's no choice. I mean, I, I would I would advocate all NFL players if they ask my advice, and they're not, obviously, but I'd say get vaccinated. I mean, even for the mere fact of you needed to do your job. And, look, if you want to complain about it and, and you want to say uh, you don't think it's fair, that's fine, too. But at the ultimate, at, at the end of the day, you got to go to work. And if that's the rule, that's the rule. John, is this Eagles defense good enough to get off the field on third down regularly? Well, the front four is. I don't know if the back seven is. Yeah, that's what I mean. That back seven, man. Ooh. Yeah, it doesn't look good on paper, especially cornerback. I, I mean, look, Mike, you can look at the 2020 draft and look at the cornerbacks taken to the first round. It starts with Jeffrey Okuda uh, at third overall. So, I, I mean, if you're a third overall pick, you're pretty talented. And he struggled mightily. Yeah. I mean, mightily. And if you go up and down the first round, just about every corner there struggled really, really badly. It's a difficult position to make the transition. And I apologize, I'm outside if the wind is blowing. It's kind of windy. But um, <laughs> if it's a difficult position to make the transition because they let you get away with more in the college level. You can get your hands on players. You can do a different, uh, a lot of different things. 
And all of a sudden, these guys get to the pros, and it's a little bit more ticky-tack. And, and, and they're more willing to throw flags on inexperienced players. And then the confidence goes, and it's a snowball effect. And people in Philadelphia are expecting a rookie fourth-round pick, fourth-round pick, Mike, to be a contributor at, at a high level it, in Zach McPherson. And look, that's just not going to happen. I mean, that's not going to happen. So they got to get somebody. And it might be Steven Nelson. It might be a trade in August. But if you're asking me he's going to play the opposite of Darius Slay at cornerback, I don't think he's here right now. Let me hit you on two quickies in the NFL uh, storyline-wise, and I'll let you skedaddle. What's next for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Th- this this thing is just getting so exhausting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Aaron is, you know, he's a stubborn guy. It's like Normally I would tell you, well, he's going to play up. He's going to play this year in Green Bay, and then they're going to trade him. And if that were a normal situation. But this guy is, he when he puts his mind to something, oh. he doesn't change his mind. And a lot of people point to his family uh, issues, and that, you know, that's none of my business, and that's that's only his business. But what, what he does do, if he says something, he needs it. There's a lot of people that play games in the media. He doesn't want to play in Green Bay. He doesn't want to be there. But he doesn't have a ton of leverage. Um, you know, people have speculated that he could pull the Carson Palmer uh, and retire until the, the Packers acquiesce and trade him, and then he would come back. But to do that, Mike, you'd have to, I think it's $23 million that you'd have to give back to the Packers. Now, Aaron doesn't need that money, <laughs> but I don't know anybody who wants to cut a check for $23 million. <laughs> And so I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, now, from the Packers' standpoint, I don't know why you would want a lame duck. You always talk about coaches. Coaches don't want to be lame ducks for one reason. Everybody knows it. So if things start to go bad, players give up. They say, well, this guy's not going to be here next year anyway. What do I care? That's why teams and organization coaches, they don't want lame ducks. Uh, same thing with players. They don't want to be a lame duck. So from the Packers' perspective, I don't know why they would want to signal to the rest of their team, well, this is it. We got one more year with Aaron, then that's that. So I, I think both sides should understand it's probably time to close the door. And if they can make a deal with Denver, make the deal. Wow. I mean, could you imagine what a how crazy that would be if he got moved? I, that would be... Man, that would be I turn. It would turn the NFL upside down. I think in the beginning of the year. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, in closing, give me a team or mm, a couple teams. Hey, we got watch out for these guys. Do you have anybody? I have the Chargers. Um, yeah, I like the Chargers because uh, Justin uh, Herbert. I, I like. I think the Broncos go from six. Six seven wins without Aaron Rodgers, the thirteen with him. That's wow. how drastic the change would be. So you think that he's going to go there, pretty much? Uh, no, not necessarily. Okay. But if they if get he him, goes yeah. there. Okay. If they get him, gotcha. they have so much talent with with except for the quarterback position. Oh, they're loaded. They're loaded. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the NFC, I look at Minnesota for the if people don't understand what happened to Minnesota last year. Uh, Daniel Hunter was out for the year. Uh, Anthony Barr got hurt, I think, in week three. Eric Kendricks got hurt, missed the last five games where they're making the 
push to the playoffs. They lost Everson Griffin. Uh, Michael Pierce opted out. Uh, they lost three cornerbacks in free agency. Now, fast forward, Hunter's back. They get Sheldon Richardson back. They get Michael Pierce back. They get Barr and Kendricks back healthy. They got Mackenzie Alexander back. They brought in Patrick Peterson. That's that's going to be that's going to go from bottom five defense to top five defense, which Mike Zimmer had always had until last year. That quickly. John McMullen, the fantastic NFL insider and Eagles analyst, of course. You can follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen. Part of the Philly Voice Group on that platform. Make sure you catch him 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on YouTube, Monday to Friday, Birds 365, and on uh, other multiple platforms. You can find him there as well. SI Now. Go follow him on Twitter. Go check him out at JF McMullen. John, you've always been great to me. Thank you so much. Continued success. And uh, I'm sure the next time I log on and start surfing around, you'll be adding something else, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I got too many jobs. But you can't complain in this. Uh, so. I can't complain about that, but I appreciate it and always enjoy uh, spending a few minutes with you. I had an opportunity to talk to Ryan Talbot on the Buffalo Bills podcast I host called Bills Brawl. Here's a little crossover of that right now. You're listening to a Brawl Network production. This is a podcast for the best fans in the NFL. Are you in the mafia? Am I into what? It's time for a Bills Brawl podcast. Second down and seven. Kelly with the tide. Touchdown. Bill Brooks. Allen. Deep shot. Touchdown. On the line to Stephon Diggs. And Thurman breaking tackles at the 22. Inside the 10. Touchdown Buffalo. And welcome to another edition of the Bills Brawl. I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. Get us on Twitter at Mike L Sports, at Bills Brawl, and at Network Brawl. That's across all the platforms. Let's talk with you, Bills Mafia, right now. Bring in one of the best in the business. He is a Buffalo Bills insider and reporter for New York Upstate and also is the co-host, along with Matt Perino, of the amazing podcast called Shout, the Buffalo Football Podcast. Make sure you go download and subscribe to that all over the major platforms where uh, podcasts are found. It's my good buddy, Ryan Talbot. You can get him on Twitter as well, at Ryan Talbot Bills. Ryan, welcome aboard, bud. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. What do you think the Bills got out of minicamp? Well, you know, I think they got the normal aspect of team building. Uh, I think that they got a lot of veterans back in-house that were not there for the OTAs, so it was good to see uh, Stan Latula first and foremost, who we've heard a lot about uh, in, the, in the OTA period where he was not there. We saw the training video, so having him show up was big. We, we got to see Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison come back, uh, and many other familiar faces as well. But it, it's just good for the, the team-building aspect of it because at OTAs, yeah, great. You're getting more reps to Greg Rousseau, and you're giving more reps to Boogie Basham. Uh, but at the same time, you want those veterans to be there, to be present, to kind of coach up those players, be an additional coach to these young guys that you've invested draft picks in, A.J. Epinez as well, being a, a second-round pick one year ago, another guy that will benefit from having those veterans around him. So in that regard, I think it uh, really benefited the Bills. 
do you think that this defensive line is going in with a little chip on the shoulder this year because of last year with, you know, just hearing over and over and over again, you know, couldn't get to Mahomes. They're chasing Mahomes. They go out and get two defensive ends in the draft for, for that reason. Um, and I'm not saying the Chiefs are the only team in the AFC, but do you think they're going in with a little, uh, hey, let's let's go prove some people wrong here? Oh, absolutely. And I think Eric Washington's going in with a chip on his shoulder as well. The Bills brought him up over to be their defensive line coach. And uh, obviously, Brandon Dean and Sean McDermott from their days at Carolina from uh, there was a period of about six years where no defensive line had more sacks in the NFL than Eric Washington's D-line in Carolina. I want to say it was 2011 to 2017 before he became defensive coordinator there. Uh, so he has this reputation. And last year, while you didn't see the results, the Bills struggled to get after the quarterback. Now, mind you, you, you know, COVID-19, there weren't uh, these OTs, these mini camps in person. Everything was done virtually for the most part. Uh, so he didn't really get to work with the players as I'm sure he would like to. So this year, having having the ability to work with the young guys, to, and not just the young guys, guys like Ed Oliver, who's still very young, don't get me wrong, but he's entering a make-or-break year here in year three. Getting to work with Ed Oliver, getting to say, listen, you know, we've seen what you can do at this three-tech position. Here's where I think you can get better. Here's some, some techniques that I think you can improve upon. Greg Rousseau has already been soaking up. Uh, a lot of the knowledge that Washington brings to the table, Boogie Basham, Epinesa, Effie Obata, who they brought over in free agency. Then you have the veterans, Hughes and Addison. Uh, and then you even have Harrison Phillips coming back uh, for a second year after that serious injury, where I think you're going to see more of the Harrison Phillips that we saw pre-injury this year. It takes some time to get back from those ACLs and those serious body injuries. So uh, I think the entire defensive line is going to have a chip on their shoulder. This whole NFL, NFLPA, uh, they've agreed to updated COVID-19 protocols, obviously, and um, it, it kind of looks like two different lives almost in, in the league, right, Ryan? I mean, players who receive the vaccine will have little to no restrictions on and off the field, and those who are not fully vaccinated, uh, they'll be limited, and they'll be kind of ordered and, and, and you know told what to do. Uh, Cole Beasley was very outspoken uh, with with this topic. W- what's next in in this in this line here? What's what on this topic? What's next? Do you think for players and uh, you know the NFL? Well, you know the, the not fully vaccinated versus fully vaccinated list. It is for training camp in the preseason, so I'm sure it can be altered, modified uh, come regular season. Maybe the NFL is just trying to be very very careful at this point of the year in in terms of training camp in the preseason, but. You're right. It's it's a matter of it's two different worlds out there. So if you're not fully vaccinated, you can still test it every single day. You have to wear your mask throughout the facility. You can't eat with anyone. You can't be in the weight room uh, if there's more than 15 people in there. Um, you know, I think the big one was no social media or marketing uh, sponsorship activities. You know, a lot of players can make additional money doing those sponsorships and in marketing. Uh, so I think they're really trying to do their best to get players to get this vaccine uh, in terms of, listen, you know, you have very few restrictions if you get this done, not just in terms of being a football player, but outside of, of that lifestyle as well. You take marketing opportunities, this, that, and the other. So it, it's just one of those things that where I know there's a lot of players, and not just with the Bills, not just Cole Beasley, that uh, they're still not sure of it. And, you know, it seems I'm sure a lot of medical experts, they have someone right on their roster in Buffalo and Tommy Sweeney uh, who had a heart issue due to having COVID-19, and he could tell his story. So there's certainly 
Uh, I'm sure a lot of people pushing for them to get the vaccine, but some of these players just probably are not comfortable doing that until, uh, and I, I don't know what the until is, but, you know, maybe if they miss some time in some key games or something like that, maybe that'll be their, their wake-up call. But I can't really sit here and say that, that there is a right or wrong answer for those players because every player has their own individual reason for either doing it or not doing it. And from afar, you just kind of have to respect it and hope that it does not cost that player, that team, uh, down the road when, when you know, 17-game season, every game matters. And if you're missing your, your quarterback, your wide receiver, your, your defensive end, whatever the position, a starter, uh, you're going to go into a game or two hurting because the, that player won't be able to play. Ryan Talbot with us here, the Bills writer for New York Upstate, an insider for the team as well. He also co-hosts the Shout Buffalo football podcast with Matt Perino. Make sure you download and subscribe to that pod where podcasts are found on your smartphone device. Emmanuel Sanders into this offense. What does he bring? Well, I, I think he brings what, what John Brown was supposed to bring and, and what John Brown did bring in 2019. He kind of hampered him in, in terms of what he could do last year. Uh, Sanders is a savvy veteran. He can play inside of your playoffs. He adds a little bit of speed. He adds a little bit of yards after the catch in terms of what he can do with the ball in his hands. Um, he was still productive last year, despite not being a, a major, necessarily, focal point where he was in New Orleans. And obviously, you know, the quarterback situation there wasn't ideal with with Breeze's shoulder and with Taysom Hill getting opportunities, James Winston, whatever the case may be. So he's going to come in here, and he's going to help take that offense to the next level because you already have Stephon Diggs, who's one of the best in the game. You have Cole Beasley, one of the best, if not the best slot receiver in the game. Gabriel Davis, who was outstanding as a rookie. Uh, so right there, you have three outstanding wide receivers. You add an Emmanuel Sanders to the mix to really frustrate opposing defenses because some teams might have two really good cornerbacks, but to have three, to have four, to have guys that can cover every one of your weapons, and then you throw in tight ends and the backs that might be able to catch out of the backfield. It's going to be very difficult for opposing defenses, and Emmanuel Sanders obviously adds to that. How's the running back room shake out? I mean, they, they obviously have a lot of options. I'm, I'm really intrigued by this group, Ryan. You know, considering Moss coming back from the injury, Singletary with something to prove after the drop against KC and, and kind of an up-and-down year. Uh, you bring in Matt Breed. I, I'm really intrigued by this group. Uh, are you, and how does it play out in terms of depth chart? Yeah, you know, we, we talked about the defensive linemen having a chip on their shoulder and the running backs going to have that same chip on their shoulders too because uh, leading up to the draft, all the talk, a lot of the mock drafts had the Bills taking either Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. And both were off the board by the time the Bills picked at 30, so who knows what would have happened if one of them would have been there. But the Bills didn't get either of those backs. They didn't go for Javante Williams. They didn't draft a running back at all. And, and now you have these backs, and you come back hungry. You know, Zach Moss looked like he was kind of over that running back one position before he went down with that uh, serious injury. And we'll see how far he progresses if he's ready for training camp. Um, and if he is, then he has a chance to really stake out that rule again. Singletary as a rookie was, was great as that, uh, you know, the 1B to Frank where he would led the league or tied to the league lead in yards per carry. He can do that. He doesn't have that breakaway speed. He can make him miss. He's added a lot of muscle onto his frame without adding a lot of weight. So I'm interested to see how that um, plays into how into his performance and how he can take on hits maybe and kind of bounce off of them now. That'll be interesting. 
I am a big fan of Antonio Williams. I drafted him back from one year ago. That was bounced on and off the practice squad. Finally given an opportunity in week 17. Uh, and he ran all over the Miami Dolphins. Had two touchdowns in that game. One receiving, one rushing. Uh, and, you know, he was this former four-star running back. I want to say he was at Ohio State first and he transferred to North Carolina. But he was highly recruited. And he's just one of those guys that uh, never maybe got the opportunities that he thought he would in college. And in the NFL, he took advantage of the one opportunity he's had thus far. You still have Matt Breeder that brought in for that extra speed option. Someone that can catch the ball in the backfield. And then there's the fan favorite, Christian Wade, as well, who, you know, I, I, if he's going to make the roster, I almost feel like it has to be this year. He's 30 years old. Uh, I know he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear in terms of football, but he did play rugby throughout much of his early career. Uh, so he's going to stick on this roster. It almost has to be this year. He's going to stick out a role. Ryan, um, give me a breakout player on offense and a breakout player on defense for this team. Coming yeah, up. absolutely. Uh, offensively, you know, I'm going to go with Dawson. And I, I know that there's a lot of Bills fans that are still hoping that a dead Zappert's tree takes place or that Jacob Hollister picks up where he left off with Josh Young from their Wyoming days and almost takes over that tight end one role. Uh, but Knox has everything you look for in, in terms of a mismatch at the tight end position. He has the speed. He has the... Um, athleticism to really make guys uh, turn guys around, get past them, move down the field. And we've seen that. We've seen bits and pieces of what he can do. We've seen him adjust to balls and show great body control. We've seen him break away from defenders and get down field. Uh, in his rookie year when Josh Young hit him right at the goal line against the Patriots in the second game right before halftime. Um, we've seen those flashes, but then we've seen the drops and the painful drops. He had one last year against him where he broke free from his defender, was wide open in the back of the end zone, let it hit off his hands, and it's frustrating. And he, he went and he worked with a vision specialist this offseason. He has this little ping pong machine now that uh, he's working with on, on his own that he's going to be able to take with him to training camp, have with him in Buffalo throughout the season to work on that. I, I just feel like he has that breakout potential on offense to really be a factor and be that mismatch that the Bills won at the tight end position. It, it's a make-or-break year for him. There's no other way of saying it. Uh, he was He's an outlier in terms of what Brandon Bean does. Brandon Bean drafts guys generally based on their production in college. And that's nice to have much college production. He was in an old Miss offense being targeted their wide receivers, and they had such a talented group, you couldn't really blame them for doing so. But you saw the talent, you, you saw the, the testing scores that he had at the combine, and you thought, boy, if we can develop this guy and bring him along, he'd be a superstar. So I think that he will be the stand, standout breakout player on offense. Uh, defense, I'll go with Dane Jackson. You know, Dane Jackson is not a Dawson Knox in terms of the athleticism and the testing numbers. He's not a guy that's going to blow you away with his athleticism, but he's just right time, right place. He knows where he's supposed to be. Uh, last year, he had the interception against the Jets. He was lined up one-on-one against DK Metcalf when one of the Bills quarterbacks went down with an injury. And, and of course, Seattle throws great to DK Metcalf. First play, what does he do? He wraps him up at the ankles as soon as he catches the ball for no gain, maybe even a loss of a yard. Uh, one-on-one against DeAndre Hopkins, he gets a pass breakup in the end zone. So no moment was too big for him last year. There wasn't any of those moments where, boy, he looks like a rookie. He looks like a seventh-round rookie at that. He, he looked like he belonged last year. I think year two. Knowing the playbook even better, uh, 
being in more of the NFL conditioning. These, these college athletes are in great shape, don't get me wrong, but there's still a difference between being in college football shape and NFL football shape. And I think that he's going to be where they want him to be. I think he is going to finally be the guy uh, that pushes Levi Wallace out of that starting spot and takes over that role opposite Trey White. Well, I like those picks a lot. Ryan, you wrote, I want to say about three weeks ago or so, a, a really fun, I thought it was a hilarious story of uh, a guy by the name of Tom Wayne. He was the father of the bride and diehard Bills fan. He welcomed his new son-in-law to the family, a Jets fan, uh, in a very unique, wild way. Can, can you, For people who might have missed this story, can you enlighten my, my listeners to this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I came across this on social media, and I, I found the, the, the bride on social media, and I talked to him, and we had a nice long phone conversation. Great guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he said he and his daughter uh, figured that just a few weeks before the wedding, we have to do something to jab her soon-to-be husband <laughs> because he was a Jets fan. And um, he said, you know, well, what about the father-daughter dance? We can, we can do a slow dance to start, get all those photo ops out of the way because everyone wants a nice photo of the, the father and daughter dancing together. Uh, he goes, well, we can break into the shout song. And the daughter was all for it, and they showed the video on social media. Uh, the, the husband, you know, was a good sport about it. He didn't necessarily do the shout or sing the shout song, but he was a good sport about it. And he mentioned that... Uh, Trevor, the groom, uh, tried to get them back later in the night by starting a Jets chant with some of the other Jets fans there, but there was too many Bills fans, and they, they droned it out with uh, more of the shout song, and it, it sounds like uh, a nice little rivalry within that family here for the next, uh, for, well, for the foreseeable future, because those two, will, those two teams will always be in the same division here. By the way, in closing... What world are we living in, man? The Bills last year in the Final Four, one win away from the Super Bowl, and our beloved Bonnies, as we're both graduates of St. Bonaventure, they're going in next year with probably the most expectations the program has had maybe in four decades or maybe the most in program history. I just read the piece on The Athletic that you know they were the number one mid-major program to watch and all these SI and CBS and ESPN, it's top 15, top 20 uh, in the way-too-early rankings. They're out of conference schedule. They're booking some major games. Bonnie's and Bills, what, what are we, where are we living, man? Yeah, I don't know, but I'm glad to be living there. Me yeah, too. You, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the me Bonnies, too. Yeah. For the Bonnie's real quick, you know, it's so tough to recruit only in New York, Allegheny, New York, St. Bonaventure, New York, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's, it's that surrounding area. There's not a ton to do here compared to some of these other programs uh, and what they have. And that just really speaks to what Coach Schmidt and the, the rest of the coaching staff has been able to do uh, over the, well, over ever since his tenure began, because he has found some real diamonds in the rough. He has found some guys that said, listen, if you love basketball, come here. Uh, our gym looks the same as any other gym in the country, and that's where you should be more than any more than anything else. And he's been able to win people over. And you look at the starting five that they they have this season. You look at the depth and the bench that they're going to have. And I know that Coach Smith has a tendency not to use his bench, but I almost feel like this year he's going to almost be forced to just because there's so much talent there. And that's going to be a good thing. That's going to be great for Kyle Lofton and. Uh, Ocean and everyone else just because then they're going to be fresh in those later games and they're going to be fresh in the tournament 
I couldn't give his kind of any shots really against LSU. And then second half, LSU's defense really did take over. I thought first half, Bynum's had a lot of really good looks. He's been good everything. Yeah. And you have to wonder about tired legs, and it's the regular season. Then the A-10 tournament, it's a lot of basketball. It's a lot of minutes on those legs. So I'm hoping that they can get uh, a, a lot of those reserves mixed in this year. But, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be a top 25 program entering the season. It's going to be up to them to live up to those expectations, but the talent is absolutely there. And as for the Bills, you know, a lot of fans were, were kind of dejected after that championship game, and rightfully so, you win game away from the Super Bowl. But when you really go back and you look at it, you say, okay, Stefan Diggs played with a torn oblique. Cole Beasley played with a broken leg. Gabriel Davis was a game-time decision to play with an ankle injury that he most, like, most realistically should not have been playing with. Your top three receivers – we're nowhere near 100%, and that's probably why your offense wasn't really uh, churning along. You're having some issues, and then you have John Brown let a ball bounce right off him for an interception when the Bills kind of had some life later in that game. Little things like that added up late in the season. So, uh, obviously, health, you can never depend on that. You never know how healthy a team's going to be. The Bills have had some really good luck there, but if that wide receiving core can be healthy and, and there can be a rematch, in the playoffs, uh, in the championship game this upcoming season, I think the Bills could knock off the Chiefs. It just really goes to show you that they really gutted things out because they wanted to do everything in their power to help this team get to the Super Bowl. You know what's incredible, though? On your note with the Bonnies, with the, you know, hey, it's hard to recruit to only in Allegheny area, etc. I'm glad you threw in St. Bonaventure, New York, by the way, because that's the actual address when you have to get <laughs> when you get to school with people sending you letters and whatever. I mean, at least when I was there, that's how old I am. Um, you can you you can use that, and, and I agree with you. But by the same token, I I almost I almost kind of like it because like the Bills, like you know, there's a little analogy there too. I mean, Buffalo compared to Nashville, Buffalo compared to New York, Buffalo compared to Chicago, you know, Bonaventure compared to St. Joe's Temple in Philly, whatever whatever you want to use for the comparison. It allows guys when they're there because of the place, the structure, the weather to continue to focus harder on their jobs. And I actually like that there's more there, you know, like there, there's, there's, there are less distractions. Yeah, I agree completely. And listen, when you're winning, it's a lot easier to these programs too. And when you, when you start to see the Bonnies in these final fives and final threes, and there's some bigger programs in the mix, and then you end up choosing the Bonnies. I mean, that is just a testament to where this program is, where Coach Schmidt has it. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously, he's not going to be around forever. I, I know that he's probably going to wrap up a coaching career in the next five to seven years, I would guess. Um, so it's going to be really important that they have somebody that are waiting in the wings that he's, he has on his coaching staff and they get another good hire in because it, it all starts with the coaching and the recruiting. And, and i got to say, Coach Schmidt has been unbelievable in that regard. He really has been. New York Upstate, Buffalo Bills insider, writer, Ryan Talbot, also co-hosting the Shout Buffalo Football podcast with Matt Perino. Make sure you go download that on your smartphone device on Twitter, at Ryan Talbot Bills. Ryan, appreciate you, buddy. Uh, continued success. Keep up the amazing work, okay? Hey, thanks again. You know something, Bills Mafia? The defense this year... Is is going to have a huge chip on the shoulder. I mean, you know, this is a team that has a lot to prove that heard all year last year. One week to the next, to the next, to the next. Can't get to the quarterback. What happened to the Bills' defense? 
you know, the pass rush allows the, you know, the quarterback and, and others to kind of expose the, you know, the linebackers and expose the secondary and all the other stuff. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, um, it's going to be a, a situation where at Oliver, you know, Starla Tulele, these guys are going to, and even a veteran like Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, uh, the newcomers are going to learn quick what's going on, you know, with the bills and the culture and the expectations and all that sort of thing. They're going to learn from the guys right then and there. And everything that you hear, I, Boogie Basham and Greg Russo, I mean, listen, Brandon Bean drafts, Ryan said it, you know, college production. But the other part is you know, high character guys who are committed to doing things the way the Bills want. And so far, so good. But they're going to all have a lot of, you know, they're going to all have something to prove on, on defense. I mean, the offense is, is going to, I think, just be expected to stay where they were. Um, are there people who think that the offense is going to be better? Sure. I think they have the potential to be better. Um, you know, again, if you stay healthy, obviously everything goes through Josh Allen, right? I mean, that's a number one. Uh, but Ryan brought up some great points. I mean, against Kansas City, you know, Stephon Diggs was was hurt. I mean, that's all there is to it, right? I mean, the oblique was really screwed up. Cole Beasley hobbling around on that broken leg. Gabe Davis barely was given the go, you know, and did nothing in the game. The offense is adding Emmanuel Sanders. They add Matt Breida. You have Devin Singletary and Zach Moss in the backfield. We know we talked about those guys. You know, I don't know if Matt Breida is going to come in and give them more than what they had last year at running back. I don't know if those three are going to provide more as a whole than last year. I, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I have no idea. I think Diggs has an opportunity to be what he was last year. I think Beasley, same thing. You know, but again, both if healthy. Gabe Davis can be better. Emmanuel Sanders is going to add something to it as well. But I think if they all play basically up to their potential, just the expectation of Bills Mafia, I think, and I hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports, if you think something different. But I think that... The fans, if, if you get the exact same offense, you know, if they play up to last year's standard, if they just stay where they are, um, the Bills are going to outscore a ton of teams. The Bills are going to win a bunch of games. The key is going to be, you know, the defense and limiting one drive here and one drive there. And that's up to the Harrison Phillipses and the Ed Olivers and the Star Latulays. Remember, Star sat, sat out last year with the coronavirus uh, situation. Uh, it's going to be up to Jerry Hughes. It's going to be up to the newcomers. It's going to be up to all these guys. And, you know, I think they're going to go in just really, 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 really pissed off this season. Like, hey, AJ Epinesa, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, you know, to, to, to name more guys who, and Epinesa trying to get to the quarterback, you know, kind of as that edge guy, but, you know, Edmonds and Milano, you know, getting to the quarterback and, and, and disrupting the middle and stopping the run and all that sort of stuff. All these guys on defense, I think they're going to be ready to go. I think they're going to have a major chip. And if the Bills can get one, two extra plays a game from the D, get off the field an extra third down, those things week to week really, really add up. They really do. And I need I need a breakthrough year from, 
you know, probably Ed Oliver, I, I would say. Um, you know, the Bills, I think, need somebody on the line to really jump forward. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, Jerry Hughes has kind of solidified his career in Buffalo at this point, right? I mean, obviously, you know, he wants a Super Bowl. He's been a long tenure Bill, etc. cetera. Um, you know, the Super Bowl would obviously do not just wonders for him. It's, it's, I mean, it would change the world. <laughs> you know, it would change... It would change everything forever um, with this franchise. But, you know, he, as far as he goes as a Bills player, impact, longevity, production, he's pretty much set. You know, you have, by the way, other guys like F.A. Obata, you know, who they picked up, who, you know, they might not even make the team at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, you, you, you wonder if, if, like, a Mario Addison – you know, has this ridiculous year in 2020. Let's say he comes out and just delivers like eight and a half sacks, right? How is that going to affect his contract? You know, the Bills, I thought, coulda, shoulda cut him already to save some money. It would have been, obviously, at the right time. Lowe's Provember event is back. In celebration of pros, we're offering special values on top tools to get any job done right. Head into Lowe's and check out the largest selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories. Right now, you can get a guaranteed tough DeWalt 20-volt max bear tool free when you buy a DeWalt 20-volt max drill or impact driver kit. Shop in-store or order online. Lowe's, the new home for pros. Valid through 1-5 while supplies last. Selection varies by location. U.S. only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.